I'm John Perry, here with the second episode of the only authorized and comprehensive history of the dogs of the Doggerland as commanded by the great high and humble Dogger, while E, Lord of the Chasing Exile, recently deceased. I picture him in ghostly glory, the exalted faced dog, with his wide tongue hanging, stretching his peerless sticks across the heavens, dancing along the sun-dappled shores of highest Doggerland, each deep paw print marking a new merry cove or marsh where noisy flights of celestial waterfowl will everlastingly alight and bob and pose upon the gentle ripples. In silhouette. In the first episode, I talked for a few minutes about dogs' fondness for buttered toast and tea. I observed that their language is bestrewn with evidence of these culinary enthusiasms and gave several examples of those idioms. Today, I want to get serious and begin to discuss how I have come, for better or worse, to be the human spokesman for the chase and for the great project of the chase in exile. While many of us love our dogs, anthropomorphize them, spoil them, sorry, primary sources, Rue, uh, inform me one can never spoil a dog with too much kindness, treat them as if they are our own human children, grieve them with deeper sadness than we do our departed human friends and relations, we never really see them for what they are, which has until now been their intention. Heretofore, we never realized never suspected even the sprawling breadth of dogs' experiences on almost every continent, their history and culture that began millions of years before humans as we know them appeared. Indeed, even long before Artipithecus. As far as I know, it was accident that led me to choose him from a litter of several prepossessing puppies near Cincinnati, Ohio, when he was eight weeks old. Genetically speaking, Wiley was a blend of two working dogs known for their intelligence, Poodle and Australian Shepherd, and as soon as I, a novice, began to train him, it was plain I had chosen a puppy anyone would consider gifted. He was musical, a fine singer, whose intuitive grasp of the many subtle styles and modes of canine song was flawless. He was athletic, fast and agile. His round, brown eyes communicated humor and subtlety, poise and certitude, gentleness and calm. Over time, the deep browns of his youth faded to light gray and cream. The long silk covering his legs and paws, preternaturally soft, was matched by fur of light color on his neck and head. His visage was graceful and handsome, marked by curiosity and benevolence. Like I said, I chose him. I like to think, anyone would, that even then, so young, somehow, he chose me. But who can say? I could tell, will tell, many stories of our times together, show you, if you will, the tooth marks, the grass stains, the mud on my soles, the paw prints on my heart, if you really want to get cute about it, barf. But he never said if or why or when he or all of them lit upon me as representative of the chase in exile. He only let me in little by little 
I suppose, commensurate with his trust in me as co-steward of the great project. Bear with me. This tale has a number of pieces, and it isn't obvious how they best fit together. So, you might not know. You probably don't know. Doggerland is a real place. It is. It's just underwater now, though for ages you could walk across it from, say, uh, Hood's Leap to Copenhagen without getting your feet wet, or at least without having to swim far. Forests grew where now fishing boats trawl and oil rigs pump. Badgers and deer burrowed and rambled where clams and cod gape and bob in the noise and wash of ship engines. And though some will insist, they always do, that a dogger is just a name for a kind of Dutch fishing boat, which of course it is, Google yourself a picture, those folks only know an infinitesimal part of the story, and most of them have never caught an actual fish, because the dogs of the chase held Doggerland as their marked and accustomed realm for millennia before the Picts and the Vikings and the Romans and the Normans and the Christians, long, long before any of them showed up. The chase raised a civilization with art, music, agriculture, architecture, all the hallmarks of what we call advanced society. So sure, yeah, there's a boat called a dogger, but it was dogs who built them first and not for fishing. And Doggerland, that's where generations of dogs lived and died, passing from living memory to unreliable tale and on to legend and myth. And, folks, it goes so far back so well beyond human history and appreciation that some of what I'm going to tell you feels to me. It feels like dreams from the beginning of the world, though of course even the most ancient dogs we can fairly call dogs only barked at the mansion of Earth's deep geologic time from the road outside the gate. And he, who I called still call Wild E, after a silly cartoon, who was the great high and humble dogger himself, he, the very one, charged me to tell you as much as I can about it, and charged his half-sister Rue de la Rue Swanzor with the task of helping me do it, and with completing the great project of the chase in exile, and so I must, and so I shall though I thought I would come to it, I find there's still much territory to traverse before I begin to tell about the great project and how it came to be necessary. Watch for episode three to hear more about Rue de la Rue Swanzor, the great project, and the tales, myths, legends, and history of the chase and of the chase in exile. I'm John Perry. By order of the great high and humble dogger, find us on Facebook at the great project of the dogs of the chase in exile or the book that eats people page on YouTube on the book that eats people channel on Patreon as John Perry and in more and more places all the time. Thank you for listening.